the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our risen Lord and Savior. The tomb is empty. God's power is ours. The theme for this Sunday, no meat in their boats. And the text, John 21. This is the third appearance that Jesus makes to his disciples in those 40 days between his resurrection and his ascension into heaven. This episode familiar to you all. Jesus appeared to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. Simon Peter and Thomas, Nathaniel, the two sons of Zebedee, two other disciples were together. Simon Peter said to the other six, I'm going out to fish. They said to him, well, we'll go with you. So the seven went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. The disciples did not realize it was him. He called out to them, friends, have you caught any fish? They said, no, we fished all night, but we haven't caught any fish. He said to them, Take your net, throw it to the other side of the boat. You will find some fish. When they listened to what he told them, they were unable to haul the net in because the number of fish was so large. The Gospel of John. Jesus asked his disciples on that particular day, friends, Do you have any fish? And they answered him, All night we've toiled, but we didn't catch any fish. One day you and I shall stand before God's throne of grace, and we shall meet Jesus face to face. His first question shall be, For man's eternal salvation, his question shall be, What do you think of Christ? Your answer for the purpose of eternal salvation. Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. He died on the cross for my sins according to the scripture. He was buried. He was raised the third day for my salvation. And when uh, you and I respond in such a manner... God will have a huge smile on his face. For our answer proves that the Holy Spirit has done its work in us and has produced saving faith. One day, Matthew 16, Jesus asked his disciples, What think ye of Christ? And they said to him, Here is what others are saying about you. 
Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're one of the prophets. And then Jesus said, forget about them. I'm asking you, who do you think I am? Simon Peter said, we believe you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And our Lord was so moved by his comment that he then made that statement. Simon Peter, you are the rock, and upon this faith I will build my church. One significant question, what think ye of Christ? He already knows your answer, 1 John 3.20. He already knows whether you believe in him or not. And then as I look at Romans 14.12 and 2 Corinthians 5.10, where it says we appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The Bible suggests there are secondary questions that will be asked. We are saved solely through our faith, not of works. But if one's faith is real, works have to come. Martin Luther once said a Christian does not need to be asked to do some good work. Because they're already doing it before they're asked. Secondary questions. They will not be how big a success were you? How much money did you accumulate? How big was your house? How much influence did you have? What honors did you receive in school? Was your name in the paper? Did you influence a lot of things on this earth? Those will not be the questions. We do not fix our eyes on the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. The question that he will ask will take this form. Children, do you have any fish? In all the time I left you on this earth, did you catch any fish? In all the years you had your fisherman's license, did you catch any fish? In the words that came out of your mouth, did you catch any fish? If someone was hungry for God, did you feed them? If someone was thirsty for God, did you give them a drink? If someone was naked for God, did you inform them? If someone was sick, did you bring them God? And if someone was in any sort of prison of fear or worry or addiction or shame or guilt or a hundred other things, did you visit them with God? You saw the verse up on the screen. The verse we put up there a couple of minutes before the service starts. Matthew 4, Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. You no longer be fishing for fish, you be fishers of men. And after Pentecost came, those disciples were fishing for men. Some in Jerusalem, some in Judea, some in Samaria, and some to the other ends of the earth. The disciples, prior to Pentecost, 
When he said, have you caught anything? They said, we've caught nothing. If you ask the fishermen why he's caught nothing, they will have many, many reasons why they caught nothing. It'll be the boat, it'll be the nets, or it'll be the fishing hole. They will never admit defeat. So let us look at uh, three things. Where was the problem? Why didn't they catch any fish? Was the problem with the ship? No, the problem wasn't with the ship. That crusty old barnacle, the fishing vessel, had been on the Sea of Galilee for 70, 80, 90, 100 years. Great-grandpa and grandpa and dad, and they had all owned the ship. Nothing wrong with the ship. When you look at this story, the theologians say that the ship is representative of the New Testament church in general, and Trinity Lutheran Church and School in particular. This ship has been floating for 158 years, and nothing wrong with the ship. Jesus would say of this church, I have something against you. But he would say that of every church that exists on this earth, the 25,000 they'll be worshiping up in Willow Creek today, he'll say to them, I have something against you. The five people that are worshiping at the First Baptist Church in Marietta, Georgia, he'll say, I have something against you. There is no church, you look at the story in the book of Revelation, where he presents seven churches, and he has something against each of them, but he speaks positive words concerning some. He would say of any church, I have something against you. Why? Is a church full of saints? Yes, saints made clean by the blood of Christ. But what happens to saints while they're on this earth? Romans 7.19, that great saint, the Apostle Paul, he says, the good I want to do, I don't do. And the evil that I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? And then he said, Jesus Christ shall. We're a bunch of saints sitting in this church. But in one moment of time, we fall back. We become sinners. And if we are in this church sinners, then God would say, this church here, here's what you need to work on. This church here, here's what you need to work on. But concerning this ship, there is one thing that is perfect. And the one thing that is perfect is the doctrine which Trinity Lutheran Church and school proclaim. That doctrine is straight from the Bible. That doctrine is, you are saved by faith in Christ. It is not of your works, lest any man should boast. There's nothing wrong with the ship. It's doctrine is preached and taught and sung every single weekend. And in our parochial school, it is taught and sung every single day. Nothing wrong with the doctrine. Throughout mankind's history, some have tried to mess with the doctrine. 
The doctrine becomes one of self-worth. Self-worth, I shall earn my way to heaven. The Bible speaks contrary to such things. Jesus said in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do you light a candle and put it under a bushel. But you put it on a candlestick. And one asks the question, what is a candlestick? And if you look in Revelation 1, it tells you what the candlestick is. It says there were seven golden candlesticks and in the midst of Of the candlesticks there was one like unto the Son of Man. And then in verse 20 it says, The seven golden candlesticks are the seven churches. If you are a Christian, you need to belong to a church. That's the candlestick. And why do churches exist? For the fellowship and the building up of each other. And for the singular purpose that we can do more as a community of believers than we can as one single individual. You look at the two ministries we're involved in. Compassion International, Feed My Starving Children. You look at the ministry of all God's people right around our corner. The congregation as a whole involved. All God's people, 140 people signed up. Feed my starving children, 700 of us show up. And how in the world are one, uh, are two million children on this earth touched? They're touched by churches. Two doctrines. Doctrine of uh, justification. We are saved by that man's death. And then the doctrine of sanctification. What do you do while you're on this earth? You fish. For what? For men and women and children. You fish and you fish and you fish. I was asked last year why on Christmas Eve, We have the same epistle reading every single year for the past 30 years. Someone said, explain yourself. They did it in a nice manner. I said, look at it carefully. Christmas Eve, we wonder why Jesus came. Titus 2.13 says, Jesus came into the world for two reasons. Number one, to cleanse us from our sin. Thank you. That's justification. And then it says he came to set aside for himself a special people eager to do his works, eager to fish for him. That's sanctification. You're on this earth as fishermen and fisherwomen. And the ones we're fishing for are the ones that God sends across your path. I'll be very brief with the last two. If there was nothing wrong with the ship, uh, was it the net? No, nothing wrong with the net. Jesus didn't say to the disciples when they said, we haven't caught anything. He didn't say to them, your net's rotten. Come in, fix the net or get a new one. He said to them, throw it on the other side of the boat. 
Nothing wrong with the net. What's the net? The net is the gospel. The net is a type of the gospel of the Lord Christ. And the Apostle Paul said about the gospel, Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. It's the only bait you need. God is the only bait that you need. Jesus is with you is the only bait that you need. He defeated sin, death, and the power of the devil. That's the only bait that you need. Don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed by the renewing work of the Holy Spirit. It's the only bait you need. Here's a group. They say, no, the bait needs to change. We need to preach prosperity gospel. We need to preach that if you come to Jesus, there'll be no sickness, no illness, and you'll make tons of money. There's another group. They were strong in the 1970s. They preached the social gospel. Only reason church exists, they shouldn't even sit in the pews. They should be out there doing God's work, building orphanages and feeding the hungry and all the rest of it. The Bible says there will always be groups that want to change the bait. You don't change the bait. You don't need to. The bait has always been... Come to me, and I will give you abundant life on this earth. Come to me, I'll give you everlasting life in heaven. Don't change the bait. And finally, was the problem with the fishing hole? Fisherman, when he comes in, says the fish weren't biting. It was, it was not my fault. The fish weren't biting. Was the fishing hole bad? No, it wasn't bad. It was the entire Sea of Galilee, for Pete's sake. Sea of Galilee had millions and millions of fish before them, during their time, and right now, millions of fish. No problem with the fishing hole. This is the direction we head, people. When uh, we say, haven't caught any fish, we head straight to the fishing hole. I always go through the attendance cards on Sunday night. I have for 40 years. And this past Sunday, when I went through the attendance cards, I saw something I honestly have never seen before. It prompted me to share this message. Someone visited our church last week, and at the bottom they said, we were invited by Jim and Christine Butler. I'd never seen anyone write down, I'm invited by so-and-so. And there was a girl's handwriting, and she put down on her card, invited by, and then she named the daughter of Jim and Christine Butler. Guess what they were doing? They were fishing. They were fishing. And that one simple card prompts this message today and next week. They were fishing. And the bait they presented was quite good. And if Jesus had asked them last week, did you catch any fish? They would have had a good answer. 
Why haven't you and I caught any fish? Someone would say, I work in a factory. The men and women there are very tough. Every other word is a four-letter word, and the air is blue with the stories they tell. I cannot bring God there into the factory setting where I work. That's a bunch of tough people there. The lady belongs to three bridge clubs. If you say, did you catch any fish? She'd say, my field is bad. My fishing hole is bad. In one of my groups, there's a bunch of Jewish ladies. God bless their hearts. In another group, I got some Muslim ladies. God bless their hearts. I cannot bring Christ into that setting. Someone says, I live in the inner city of Chicago. The unemployment rate is 75%. There are shootings every single weekend galore. I cannot bring the gospel into that setting. Someone will say, my city is too hot. Someone will say, my city is too cold. Snow on the ground nine months a year. Others will say, our city is so busy. Activities and social clubs and sporting events on Sunday mornings. There is so much going on. They don't need church on top of this. Fishing holes. Where do you think, you guys? Cities too hot, cities too cold. Cities too male, cities too female. Cities too rich, cities too poor. Have you caught any fish? The year is almost up. He goes to that fraternity at that university, sets up a Bible study for the first time in that fraternity's history. The field was pretty bad. He did pretty good. Devin Hester, former Chicago Bears, you put a microphone in front of that football player's face. He didn't say, well, I'd like to talk about God, but I can't because I work with a bunch of jocks and I don't want them to make fun of me. No, you put a microphone in front of his face and he can't stop talking about God. You put a microphone in front of Aaron Rodgers' face, future Hall of Fame quarterback, Green Bay Packers, put a microphone in front of his face. He can't stop talking about Christ. You're watching the NBA playoffs, Kawhi Leonard On one arm, huge tattoo. Other arm, huge tattoo. One arm had tattoo of the cross. And underneath it says, fear God. And on the other arm, forgive others as God forgives you. I don't know where that came from. On his arms, he's a walking billboard. (laughs) Fishing hole. And the guy they just beat, the Memphis Grizzlies. Michael Conley on his arm. Huge witness concerning his faith. People, you're fishing holes. What did Jesus say about him? Matthew 9. The harvest is plentiful. There are many fish out there to be caught. But the laborers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest. That he would send fishermen out to do their fishing. The Apostle Paul stood in front of the great philosophers on Mars Hill, Acts 17. And he did not say, these people are so intelligent, I wouldn't stand a chance. No, 
he started fishing. And he said, God has appointed the time for you and me to be on this earth. The places we are to move and live and have our being. That's your fishing hole. Your swim team, your high school, your commuter train, place where you work, your neighborhood, the family that you've married into, the list goes on and on. That's your fishing hole. Children, have you caught any fish? The good Lord willing, if God puts us here next week, I want to look at the fishermen themselves that were on that boat. And I want to tell you that this story has a happy ending. In our Lord's name, amen. Would you rise as we pray? Heavenly Father, you have filled our hearts with your spirit. And as Luther once said, the Christian who is filled with the power of God... He does not ask, what good can I do? When can I start fishing? Because he's already doing it. He's already doing the good before he's asked to do the good. And he's already fishing before he's asked to put his pole in the water. The tomb is empty. Help us to understand and do what that means. In our Savior's name, amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.